Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fashion School Dropout. So today's guest is Alexa Molinaro, who is a stylist that I met while at a showroom and we immediately hit it off and we bonded over crazy internship stories, amongst other things. Um, Alexa, so you didn't start your fashion career the typical way. You went to school for journalism you met Rachel Zoe on a plane. You told her that you wanted to work for her and the rest is history. Now, so many girls dream of that opportunity. Just hearing, yeah. <laughs> just hearing my story back to me, I was like, oh. <laughs> I know you're like, I did that. I did I that. Like, huh? did that <laughs> yes. So, okay. Kind of like Devil Wears Prada. A million girls dream of this opportunity to not only meet their idol, but to ask for an opportunity to work for them. And it actually happens. Okay. Take us back to that life changing moment. Like, were you surprised that she actually kept her word? Because I'm sure, you know, famous or really successful people get approached all the time by people who want to work for them. And they're just like, yeah, here's my assistant's, you know, email, but they don't have any intention of actually hiring you, but it actually happened for you. So tell us about that story. That's exactly what I was going through my head. Um, so I had, like you mentioned, I went to undergrad uh, and studied communication. They had no fashion whatsoever. The closest I got to it was studying costume design, um, like one class in the theater department. <laughs> so like after that, moved out here for fashion school and started a few little, you know, internship type things here and there, worked at a PR showroom, like assisted a stylist. Uh, but the dream and my I, personal idol, like you said, is Rachel Zoe. Uh, whenever anyone asked me like who do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to be when you grow up I was like I want to be Rachel Zoe yes. her entire everything just the way she encompasses everything she did styling has her own brand is in media you know created her, you know she is a brand and she is like a fashion legend in so many ways for what she did for this industry so I'm sitting on a I get onto an airplane coming from New York and there she is sitting in first class um, she, her hair and stuff is still done up. She was at the, uh, what was it? The CDFA awards. I think that, that when they, it was when Beyonce was, um, awarded. And so I like recognized her too, because I was seeing pictures like that, like before I got on the plane of people at this award show and saw her. So I walk on the plane and I stopped breathing. I was like, Oh my God. But like my brain was like, oh my God, oh my God, Rachel Zoe was like sitting on the plane. I was uh, the first row in um, economy. And then there's a little curtain behind us. And then there's Rachel Zoe in the last seat of first class. Oh. So this entire flight from New York to Los Angeles, I'm talking to like the stranger next to me being like, my idol is sitting in front of me. I want to work for her and learn from her so bad. Like this is a dream come true. I don't know what to do because I'm worried I'll go up to her and bother her. And she'll be like, yeah, yeah, I get approached by millions of you every day. Every girl wants to be Rachel Zoe. You know, it's, like you said, Devilous Prada. Every, millions of girls want that position. So I'm thinking there's no way. Um, but like for five hours, I was trying to hype myself up, figure out what I'm going to say. I'm like, my leg is shaking on the entire flight of how I'm going to do this. Because this is your one window of opportunity. And like a lot of people, I think have these little windows that pass them by. I know I've had a lot of windows that I didn't open when I, when they were there and I look back and you have to learn from that. So this is something that I'm like, this is my chance. So we landed before the seatbelt sign was even off. I was out of my seat. Like <laughs> you like, made a dash. Oh, I made a mad dash. Like, I think that there might've even been one of those uh, flight attendants being like, miss. And I'm like, not now. <laughs> like, this is not the time. This is the most important moment of my of life. Of my life. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was, it is, I think the second to that would probably be meeting the Jonas Brothers. Like, Rachel Zoe took precedence of everything. So I got out. I'm holding my little business card, like, shaking. And I would go up to her. I'm like, um, um, Miss, Miss Zoe. And she's like, you know, just waking up, like, what's going on? And I was like, I I'm so sorry to bother you, but um, you are just, you're my idol. I'm like, I, I'm in fashion school right now. I've been doing styling and I would do absolutely anything to learn from you. You have inspired my entire career path and my entire like soul and being. You have been someone I've looked up to. And I would like, if you have intern opportunities, 
I would do anything to be able to learn under you. And she just was like, oh, Roger, like to her husband, like, did you hear that? Do you hear that? Like, she just was like, oh my God, that's so sweet. Oh my God. Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. She like took her card and was like, email, email your resume to my assistant. I was like, oh, okay. What's your assistant's email? Um, um, okay. I'm like trying to write it down. And she told me, she's like, yeah, just email her, told her, tell her you met me and you know, we'll make, we'll, something will happen. So I'm like, okay. But again, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm sure she gets hundreds of that, millions right. of that. being nice. Yeah. Like who doesn't want to be Rachel Zoe? Who doesn't want to live that glamorous life? Like it was unbelievable. So I sat, you know, went home, drafted like 17 different emails to her assistant, found the right one, sent her assistant's email, then went onto Rachel's Instagram, found her assistant's Instagram through Rachel because she like posted the picture of him and tagged her, DM'd the assistant, um, being like, hi, I met Rachel on the plane. Uh, I just sent you my resume, blah, blah. She ended up not seeing it until I was already working for them and became friends with her. And like, she went to follow me and was like, oh my God, you DM'd me. I was like, yeah, I really wanted it. She's like, you're so cute. Oh my God, I can't believe that. Um, so like, even though she didn't see it, like it's still, I was just trying to do anything I could to get it. So I sent out the email, got an email back from uh, the person that was in charge of their internship opportunities. And she was like, we looked at your resume, like we want to bring you in. So they brought me in um, and I got the internship like the next, like, well, not like, like the next day after I inter interviewed. So it took probably like two months or so because they were filled up with their internship positions at that time during that season. So as soon as the new one opened up, I was one of the first ones that they brought in to interview. Got the job. Uh, I got to work directly under Rachel. So they had a lot of different internship programs operating at the time because things have changed uh, since I was there, like just the company structure. So at the time when I was there, there was like, I think she had like four different internship uh, sections. Some people working for the Zoe Report, Box of Style. Styling was just about ending when I was there. So I was really directly a part of Rachel's team, which was unreal. I mean, every day, I was sitting having lunch at Rachel's Zoe. Like, wow. What? Like, I've like had got to go to her house. Her little boys got to know me and would come sit with me when they would visit. Oh, like, it was just, it was unreal. Um, and you do a lot of internship stuff. Like, I did a lot of coffee runs. I was the queen right. of coffee runs. <laughs> a lot of cleaning, uh, you know, organizing, schlepping, lots and lots of internship stuff. But, the, ex the fact that like the experience of working under Rachel Zoe, being a part of that environment, like finding a way to make it the most, making the most of the opportunity you have. So the first, you know, season or whichever, however you call it, those first couple months of an internship, I was doing it for college credit. That came to an end and they're like, we would really like to keep you on and we can start paying you. I'm like, Hello. Sure. Cause they're like, you know, your college credit came to an end, but we Rachel wants to keep you. And she didn't do that with everyone. I was there with a lot of interns that were cycling out. She only held on to like two or three of us. And there are a lot of people that were working full time for her. They're like, we start out as assistants. She finds the one she likes that she sees something in, and she keeps them for as long as you can. So I got to be kept. Um, I worked, you know, on shoots with her. Uh, I was in, you know, different meetings she had, like taking notes, doing research, doing PR things, working product development, working the fashion shows, uh, lots of different things that like, you know, I, I just, every day, any day that I was like, oh, I'm doing a lot of errands and it's exhausting, but I'm doing it for Rachel Zoe. Rachel Zoe. Like, Little, the little girl in me that grew up watching the Zoe Report that would, you know, style my Barbie dolls or style my friends and have photo shoots with them. And I was like, I'm going to bring Rachel Zoe. Like, that's who I'm doing this work for. Yeah. Did that. And then the, my time came to an end with Rachel, which was very sad. I wanted to stay full time, but it just, the, the stars were not aligned right. for that. Um, and, and I got the position with Nasty Gal, which not it's not a bad deal you know going from Rachel's to nasty out at the time both great names so grateful but you know my last day uh everyone at the office knew how I feel about Rachel um to a point where I think she knew too she kind of forgot who I like our story until someone brought it up because other people at the office loved the story too because they're like no you are like 
die hard for her. I was like, yes, I would absolutely like throw myself, in, you know, on top of mud for her. Like I just adore, you know, and it's not a lot of people feel that way after working for someone that they admire. And that's what I was going to say, because there's this famous saying that says, don't meet your idols because they might disappoint you and just ruin this image in your head. But Rachel lived up to that and then some, it seems. Uh, absolutely. So our last day, uh, they're like, we're going to get you a one-on-one -on -one with Rachel. Sort of not like an exit interview, but sort of like that. So my time came. And again, I've been working with her now at this point for a year. I spend every day with her. I get her lunch every single day. I've been to her house. Like I've been with her and we've talked and I still get nervous every time I talk to her. Cause I'm just like, holy moly. Like you are you're real. like, this is just not real. Like I'm looking at her. Like you just, you are, you, you look the way you, you think someone's going to look like, cause sometimes you think, oh, everyone looks different on TV. No, Rachel is just this energy and this light and just everything. Um, so I go into her office and we're sitting down and we're talking and she's like, you know, it's been such a pleasure having you here and it's really hard to let you go, you know, but I, I can't keep you as an intern forever. You have to like spread your wings, et cetera. And I'm telling her like, you don't know how much this opportunity is meant to me. Like, and I said to her exactly, they, they always say like, you know, you shouldn't meet your idols. And so few people get to meet their idols let alone work for them. And I was like, and on top of that, you were everything I wanted you to be. You were everything I expected. And I am so grateful for it. And we both started crying. Um, so I was like, you've, you're that person for me. Um, you know, like little boys that love basketball, they love Kobe or they love LeBron or Michael Jordan. Like that's my Michael Jordan. And she was everything I wanted her to be. Um, and everything I expected, which I, you know, it blows your mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so she's like, I can't believe that. She's like, you know, I, when I see people that I see something in, like I want to mentor them. I want to like make them the most because I wish I had that. And it just was so special. So then she like gave me a copy of her book and gave me a really special note inside of it being like, I'm going to miss you and you're so fabulous and glamorous and all that. And it is my prized possession. Like it, if my apartment was burned, it is literally it's sitting on top of my, oh, I'm doing oh, so. You know, it's on my bookcase right there. Yeah, I see it. In a burning building, that's what I'm saving. <laughs> that's the prize position. That and your cat. Um. That, that and my cat. That and my cat. Um, and then maybe like my Chanel bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So I, Alexa has told me this story like a million times and every time I'm like grinning ear from ear because it's just such a beautiful story of things aligning and working out and just stepping out on faith because you were on that plane and your nerves could have got to you and say no I'm not good enough to approach Rachel Zoe and ask her for an opportunity like you know we all have that voice in our head like who do I think I am you know doing yeah. this and you just went for it and it just paid off in the most beautiful way I mean that's just incredible so if it's you're listening to this I'm grateful that I'm impulsive yes <laughs> Because and that's you have to sometimes Go do it without it. thinking. And I've put myself out there plenty of times and nothing's come back. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, that happens. Time that it does, though, because one of the big sayings that has been in my mind a lot lately is you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. take. Mm -hmm. So that was something that I'm like, I have to try because, like, what, what God or whatever you believe in the greater being that, you know, fate dropped this in my lap. Like you literally like, right in was, front of you. You can't ignore that. Yep. Dropped it in my lap. Like I'm going to give you your dream, your idol on an airplane for five hours. This little teeny tiny space, you have a curtain in between you. If you don't take this chance, you will regret it the rest of your life. And you do not want that to happen. I mean, when that opportunity is literally, literally right in front of you, you got to go for it. Like, no question. So after that amazing experience working with Rachel, I know you were an intern at that point, but you still had the styling bug. So how did you get your foot into the door? And what was your experience like starting out as a stylist on your own? Scary. Oh, it was so, so, so scary. 
I mean, I've assisted plenty and I'm grateful for the stylist that took me under their wing and has taught me and continues to teach me. I think having a mentor is so important and I definitely something I've wanted from a lot of different people I've worked with that I haven't always gotten. Not everyone wants to be a mentor. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people it's like, almost like they're calling like you, it is your call. You are literally the fashion mentor. Like it's your calling. Um, and those people so meaningful can absolutely change and impact someone's life in a million different ways. I mean, even look at Rachel, like she didn't need to pay any attention to her interns. Every time someone started, she would go out of her way. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm really happy you're here. What are you interested in? Like this and that, like went out of her way to be a mentor. So when I was styling, I had someone really take me under their wing. And like I said, they continue to do so. And I'm forever indebted and forever grateful. Um, sometimes let me do shoots and things like that on my own and really treated me as an equal and as a partner, not so much as they are like, you know, assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Even though I still was like, you know, I'll, I do all the steaming. I'll go grab lunch for everyone because I'm an assistant. I know my place, but you know, the place that everyone tells you to be in. Um, still really treat me like, let me help with polls, let me have my say and um, really help me build contacts. So when the time came that I sort of fell into something, like fell into having a client, I was terrified at first because you sort of feel like, who am I? Am I really a stylist? Like, I don't know. Do I really know what I'm doing? Um, and having some that you could go to being like, I need a few tips. I, you know, I, I, and I did reach out to other people I had worked with looking for advice. And I had a lot of texts go unanswered, but this, you know, one person who really helped me called me immediately. Here are all the contacts. Here's who you should, you know, reach out to. Um, here's how I did it, like really helped. And I also used a lot of your resources and your tools to sort of look. Um, uh, actually, that is how I discovered you was that when I was so going on. This is before we met. Yeah. I was going on to have my first solo client. And I, this was after I had just left Nasty Gal. Um, I hadn't done a ton of styling since Rachel. Not, oh, no, that's a lie. Nasty Gal, I did styling because I ran social media. I'm sorry. A, I'm trying to, like, process my thoughts. Yeah, like, it, sometimes, was a, it was a bit ago. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Nasty Gal, I did some styling for our social media content. Um, but this was, like, as a stylist, like a Lex Mulner, the stylist. So I was, like, looking up uh, templates to be cold emailing PR people looking for polls. And I like came up with one of your articles that was like a list of different showrooms to go to and all of that. Yeah. And then I was going to our mutual connections showroom yes. uh, probably a day or so later. And that's where we met. And then you told me like, I do fashion mentor. And I was like, I, literally, I think I pulled it up and I was like, I was yes. just using your article yesterday. So like, that's how I got, that's literally what helped is finding those resources and finding, you know, people because going into something like this, no one really fully teaches you. Now there's a little bit more out there, but three to five years ago, styling was still kind of like, so yeah, that's pretty much, I guess that, that would be how I was feeling if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just how you were talking about this stylist that took you under your wing and gave you, um, the guidance to which contacts to go to for your shoe and that is just rare because you and I both know we've both had nightmare internship stories and we actually we bonded because we interned for the same person and I know <laughs> that it wasn't me because you had a horrible experience too so <laughs> but and a lot of people do I think what's tough with our industry is there is a old school sort of stereotype um, and stigma that does, you know, stereotypes exist for a reason in a lot of ways of fashion being really tough, being very competitive, very catty. Um, and I would love to see that change. I love see, I do love seeing how things are changing already and people wanting to be more inclusive and respectful and supportive of each other, which I think is so important. Um, I was very, very lucky to find him, uh, the stylist I worked for. And that actually happened for like the real, how I started in styling besides like, you know, being a young kid styling my friends, et cetera. 
and doing a few like off things when I lived in Boston was uh, getting an internship with a showroom, which I recommend because showrooms live and thrive off interns. Mm -hmm. They need interns. Every showroom I've really encountered, interns really help them operate because you need that extra help. So I got an internship with a showroom and within my first day, I met the stylist and he's like, I, is anyone, any of your interns like available to help on a shoot on Saturday? And immediately I'm like me. Right here, right here. Right here, literally. I was like, I, I'll help right here. Whatever, whatever you need, tell me. Um, and it just sort of like went from there. So like, that's again, one of those things of taking every opportunity you can. So I didn't really even know if I wanted to be in fashion PR. The internship was available. I was able to get it, you know, get some college credit. That was great. Like FITM helped because I used their their uh, portal, their career portal. But you can find a fashion internship anywhere these days. You know, you can go on Indeed, LinkedIn, but also just Instagram. People post so much. But I did that because I'm like, I want to meet more people, meet designers, meet stylists. And you get to, um, yeah, so that's, again, that's like taking every opportunity you can. So if you're not sure if you want to work in PR or not, try it out, see how it goes, especially if you're a student. I think that's important to take every learning opportunity you can, see what you like, especially if you don't know what the exact right, I just knew I love fashion, but I was trying to find the right position for me. Did that immediately, and a, a stylist is like, I need someone to assist. I'll help. And then it all like was history from there. Right place, right time. And that seems to be a constant theme for you yeah. now that I'm noticing. Oh, I've been so lucky. My dad gets on my case all the time. Like, what do you think? People are just going to drop a job in your lap. I'm like, it's happened to me a lot. So, so many times. <laughs> I'm like, I get, like, I still try. Like, I apply to things. I send out cold resumes and cold messaging. But sometimes things do just sort of get dropped in your lap. And it's I don't really know. You. If you put it out into the world, it'll come back to you. You have to manifest it. So you can try really hard to search for something on your own. And if you try really hard, the world will give it, give it back to you eventually. Absolutely. So you mentioned your dad saying that opportunities won't fall into your lap. Was your family supportive of you pursuing fashion? Because you went to school for journalism and communications. So... Such a loaded question. It's so... Yeah, it's, hmm. <laughs> I feel, I'm like, I'm trying to think how to answer it. It's like, yes and no. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, they support it in the sense of that's something you love, that's great, but they did not think that that was a true um, career path in a lot of ways. So back going to, I mean, I'll just say for me, I kind of, some people know kind of like what their calling is early on. And I remember like I picked up and this is actually, this was it. This isn't like my about me section on my website and LinkedIn and like was a part of my entrance essay to fit them that I picked up an issue of 17 magazine when I was like, like four, 13, 14, maybe. And this is now after like, I've always loved drawing. I always drew clothes. I always knew I liked fashion. Um, I used to also, you know, you also think of like, think of like what kids' favorite toys are when they're younger and see if that means anything. Barbie and uh, Fashion Polly. Do you remember Fashion Polly's? Yes, they're like these little dolls with rubber clothes. <laughs> were my favorite toy of all time. I had so many of them and I would dress them up and I would like, you know, have little fashion shows with them by myself. Like no one could touch it. So I was like, if I had the outfit perfect, no one could touch yes. it. But <laughs> I kind of knew. And then I had this magazine and I'm flipping through it and I loved the, the journalism aspect of it. I love the articles. I love the pictures. I love the shoots. And I was like, I think I love fashion journalism. Became obsessed with it. Started my, you know, did a pr independent project in high school and created my own fashion magazine. Um, would do like fun little styling things with friends and was like, this is what I'm going to do. So looking at college, uh, at first, well, I also, so there's a college in New York City, uh, LIM, and it's the business of fashion. I found when I was like, I think I was a sophomore in high school sitting in history class. It's, some of these moments are like burned in your brain when you realize they're like life-changing. Yes. I was like sitting in my sophomore history class, looking up fashion programs for during the summer. Found that they did college courses for high school students in fashion business. It's like, absolutely did those that then every summer throughout the rest of high school 
um, really meaningful. It was the first time I did a class that I was good at, that I had the professors sending letters to my home, to, to my parents, being like, she has been such a pleasure in these summer courses. And like my last summer, I had a, one of the professors set, like send something to my parents being like, I don't like, this is her purpose. I don't know what it's going to be like not having her next summer because I was doing all these classes every summer and just loved it so much. Uh, and that's when I was like, this is my, this is what I'm supposed to, I keep saying purpose. It seems so cheesy, but it just was like, oh, this, it's true. this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I'm looking at like fashion programs, found FITM at a college fair and was like, this is so cool in Los Angeles. Oh my God, look how creative their pamphlets are. He's like, I appreciate that you like that, but. That's how they get you. Yeah, he's like, but no, here's the list of the colleges you can apply to. So I'm like, okay. So he wanted something that was very like liberal arts, but also, you know, uh, you have your core classes, like a very traditional college. So using this sort of parameters he gave me, I found Syracuse University and was like, this is the school I want to go to. They have the top communication program in the country. They, you know, journalism, et cetera. I want to do magazines and they can also minor in their fashion program where Betsy Johnson worked or went to school. And he's like, like, I don't really, he was like, oh man, like I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, I ended up not getting into the new house program. And mm -hmm. so that's why I didn't go to Syracuse. Instead, I got into Boston College, which was my dad's top choice for me. Mm -hmm. And I was very much unsure of it. I was like, I don't know. It's, you know, I'll study communication, but their program wasn't what Syracuse's was, but he's like, doesn't matter. You can get in. So moot point. I was like, fine. Um, and after many, 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 many discussions, and I'm sure many other girls or boys might have some similarities with their family trying to like prove, you know, that their creative passion can be something to study. He said, how about this? You go to the college I want you to go to, make the most of it, try really hard, you know, do what you got to do. And then I'll pay for you to go to the fashion school if you're choosing afterwards. I got it in writing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so literally the contract that if Alexa goes to insert college name here and you know gets insert GPA here then you know Sam Olnero my father uh will pay for insert fashion school here <laughs> um, that's the way to get around it yes so I went I did my, my sophomore year of college, I had, a, I was having a tough time because like you have to take all these core classes and I just was having a hard time being like inspired and was struggling. And I like went home for Thanksgiving. I'm crying. I was like, dad, I want to go to Parsons. I want to go to Parsons. I want to transfer. He's like, I don't know. Like, just, just try it. So somehow I don't really even know what it was, but I sort of changed my mindset and I went to the school and I made the most of it. And I love the experience I had. I love what I learned. I got to go to study abroad in Florence and I took these fashion courses in Florence and all this different stuff. And, you know, like I mentioned to you off camera, uh, I studied costume design through the theater department and loved, loved that. I just found a way to make it my own. And I became known as the fashion girl on campus, which I don't think would happen if you go to fashion school right away. Everybody's the fashion school. The yeah, fashion girl. it boosted my you know, confidence a lot. Um, and going into styling of like how you start out, I look back and I had, I almost ran my own showroom. Like girls would come, it, it became widespread on campus. If you need a look for a night out or something, call up Alexa. I had girls lining up outside my dorm room to come in and have an appointment with me so I could dress them from my closet. After doing well in college, the time comes senior year, I apply the FITM. I do, you know, my my design portfolio for it and everything without really telling my parents. I go home for like whatever break it was after I applied and I was like, here's my acceptance letter. Here was my entrance project. What do you think? And I laid that on the table and my dad's looking at it and he's like, I didn't know you could do this. Wow. Like literally he was like, I, I didn't know. He thought fashion was a a phase. He thought it was a fad. He thought it was something young girls are interested in until they realize what it's like. He was, my parents were worried that you'll struggle, which you do. Um, it's a tough industry. It's hard to break into. The, the pay is not, it's hard. It's as tough as you, as we all know, they were worried that it was not the best, the best choice for their daughter. But after showing them like, 
this is what I want to do. This is my passion. And I held up my end of the bargain. So they were like, okay, we'll pay for you to go to school. They thought I was going to choose New York because they live in Connecticut. I was like, huh, moving to California. I graduated uh, like top of my class at FITM and was nominated for an award at the, uh, at the graduation ceremony. And my parents are like looking through the pamphlet and they see that there's like a section about like, you know, their award nominees. And they were like, oh my God, you're, you were like nominated. I was like, I was really proud. Like I had so much. Yeah. Um, so I think that's when they sort of changed. So they still really want me to find that like steady corporate job. They don't, they still don't fully understand my, it's more so my dad because my mom is very similar to me. I mean, my mom ran a jewelry store and things like that when she was, when I was younger. So she knows some of the, that industry. Uh, it was really my dad that I had to prove. Yeah. And he is, I, th I think a lot of people relate, like sometimes you have to sort of prove it to them because they will help you when you are doing all that free labor and need someone to help pay rent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the short answer to that would be yes and no. Yes, they support passions and dreams, but no, they don't always support if it's a viable career option. Um, but you know, your family always wants the best for you. Your parents want the best for you. And if you really, really feel that this is what you're supposed to do, um, you can find a way to make them believe. Um, that's so true. And I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to that because even now, you know, we're in a new decade, the 2020s, and people still don't realize that fashion is a multi-billion dollar industry. I mean, as long as humans and, you know, pets or whoever wear clothes, there yeah. is going to be a job for you somewhere in fashion. And it's not always design. It's not always styling. There's so many other jobs in fashion, like wholesale. Yeah. And, you know, you can be an account executive. You can be a trend forecaster. You can be so many different things. Marketing, whichever. And that is now what my, my father has realized that now. Um, shout out to my dad. I love you because I know that they're going to watch and listen to this. And I do not want them thinking I'm talking about them. I, <laughs> they are my biggest support team. Now, uh, my dad is super supportive of things that he's like, let's like get these, you know, if you want a brand, let's get them up and running. Like, let's start a company, like start selling yourself. Like as he's seen the work I'm doing, he sees like, okay, now we just have to find a way to make money off it. Cause I'm not good when it comes to making money. Yeah. I just like to do my passion and just like find my dad is very financial. So he's like, let's find a way, like start a company. You've got great ideas, great design, just make it happen and let's sell it. Like, let's make money off it. Like he sees, the payoff yeah so that was helpful like we were able after I went to fashion school because I studied uh like business we ha we were able to speak the same language because I can understand business and math etc in terms of fashion I can't understand another area so that's where we were able to start speaking the same language I could start speaking to him of like look at it's a multi-billion dollar company mm -hmm. or industry that's amazing and it's complimentary because as creatives sometimes we're just focused on the art of it but then yeah. you have to realize at the end of the day in order for it to be a business it has to make money so that's yeah. shout out to dad for looking out and providing that expertise um, i'm i'm very grateful i think that uh even though we didn't i always see eye to eye when i was younger i think that challenged me to prove it like I couldn't just get away of, I like fashion and I'm going to go to fashion school. I had to really prove it, which was in, which in turn proved it to myself. Wow. Um, that like, this is what I want to do and you have to work hard. And I think that's what a lot of people don't always realize about this industry is it is hard work. Mm -hmm. Very, that very hard work perfectly into my next point so we know that fashion and styling is nowhere as glamorous as people think it is no matter how many times right. them, they won't believe it until it happens but tell me about any challenges that you've experienced as a stylist maybe with client or different situations where you were just like oh my god what is going on like tell me about any the biggest challenge, and I know others will relate to this, is making money from mm. doing it. Because style, fashion, wardrobe styling, there is still, it gets overlooked. There's an oversight. Even those in the creative industry do not realize the work 
that goes into it. So I found this time and time again on many different shoots back in my, in my assistant days on my own styling, internships, jobs. Uh, stylists are always, if not the last, they might to be paid, they are usually the ones not paid. So, and they, we also, I don't know if this has changed in the past few years. I haven't done a lot of research into it, but from what I remember, um, and now I need to do research into it again, because I'm coming back into it. Uh, there's no union for wardrobe. And so I was seeing that, tr that trend on social media of people posting them doing their creative work to prove that, you know, it's, did you, you were a part of that. I think your post, I remember was a, when that was, that was like a month, a couple months ago. Yeah never was posting them doing their work on set, et cetera. Um, because it gets overlooked. People think it's just coming up, coming in and playing with clothes. Like, no, there are also a lot of different styling jobs you can have. So when I was working at Soul Society, um, which was the, my last job, which is the corporate job we mentioned, um, they would hire a freelance stylist for our editorial and marketing e-commerce shoots to come and basically style the clothes that we already had that we were going to sell on the site to just style it. So they didn't have to do any of the polling, et cetera. They just came and were hired to style for the day, but they get paid because they're a freelance employee for a company. Nasty Gal, we had a full-time stylist for our e-commerce and um, marketing. So there's that option to be a full-time person. And the one that is most common that we know that we've been in is being a freelance celebrity wardrobe stylist and doing like editorial, et cetera, which is basically being on your own. Mm -hmm. And that one I think is hard because people aren't realizing that the work you're going, you put into it, it's days of polls. It's days of you have to utilize your network and your contacts. You have to really brand and manage yourself because you have to have people that trust your work to loan you clothes yep. so you can get them to then dress it. You are to dress the people. You're schlepping the garments, bags, and things like around. I was in 100 something degree weather in the middle of the summer in downtown Los Angeles, going from one showroom to another, carrying all these garment bags on top of me. You have to do that. You have to know how to make sure that everything is taken care of, how to handle returns, how to handle uh, if you're doing, because I came, I did some costuming, a, a PA for a show, uh, keeping paperwork of everything for all your returns, et cetera. It is a lot of tedious work. It's not just coming to set and dressing for the day. And that's um, what you need to realize because uh, we definitely need more respect for the stylist because like you said, I mean, no shade to the makeup artists and the hair people, but they have, you know, your hairspray, your makeup on you. You don't have to get new makeup and new combs and everything for every job. Every single job, stylists have to go out and find the clothes. Like you said, use our contacts. We're out all day going to different showrooms, going to different um, designer studios, picking up clothes, lugging around our weight in clothes back to the car and driving around all day. And that's not even including the time styling. That's not including any fittings. That's not including actually being on set. So it's a multi-day job. Every time you ask a stylist to style, and it's definitely underappreciated. I mean, you know, people want to pay you whatever because they think, oh, you're just playing with clothes, but they have to realize, like, when I tell people my rate, they're like, what? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, because you yeah. not just pop. I don't have these clothes in my closet. I think people think that I just have a bunch of clothes in my closet and I could just pick it from there and take it to you? No, I have to go through a whole multi-day process. That do, because many style, like you have a styling kit. And I've seen mm -hmm. you starting to post a bit about that, which I love, because that is something that when I was starting to style, I felt so passionate about. Something I would love to do that I would, well, if I don't do, I hope someone does it, is selling, having a company for styling kits, because yes. we don't have that. You have to put together your own kit. And a lot of that is based on experience what is in your kit your kit might not just be some safety pins and clamps you might have full backup wardrobe a lot of people have their archives yeah, yeah. and sometimes that happens from if you end up with some pieces you end up getting stuck with after a job but you just add it to your kit so you have backup shoes etc but you have to have you have to know everything that goes into that so you have a kit you might have your um 
your emergency stuff to pull. If like, you know, anyone needs something, you can't get to a showroom. No one has that. Maybe you have your own. Maybe you make things on your own for something for the shoot. Your rolling racks, your car. Your car is one of the biggest pieces of your, of your, your kit. kit. Yeah. Style. You can, but it's very hard to style without a car. Yeah. I don't know how New York City stylists do it. Shout out to, because I can think of a couple stylists right now at the top of my head that we both know who don't have a car in LA and they're still doing their thing. So shout out to them. But yeah, I looking back, so I, have bigger, right, I have a bigger car now, um, but I was styling for the longest with a two-door sedan. And now I'm like, how did I even survive? Like, so I, I do was, it with my Volkswagen Beetle. Oh my God. The way I did it, because I have from styling days, interning days, uh, doing, being a PA in costuming, the amount of stuff you have to carry in boxes. My car is so dinged up on the inside. I don't really want to go, I don't really want to do it. But I, would, I had a convertible. Thank God. I put the convertible down, pile everything up top, and then put the convertible back up. And it's just like wow. as packed as possible. I'm like, how did I even fit a rack in there? And like, I had a suitcase. Yeah. And I'm so glad you brought this up because we do need backup things. So what I do, and I hope y'all taking notes because I reach out to companies um, and I say, hey, like I have a client, we're going to be doing a bunch of events. Can you send me like 10 pairs of shoes that she can wear and she'll tag you? So that's one way that I started building up my kit of backup clothes because um, that's another thing. A lot of showrooms, you know, they'll let you borrow limited amount of shoes or sometimes they don't even have shoes. So um, it's good to have those items that you need often. So I have basic stuff like tank tops, um, socks, fishnets for the guys I style. I have like a, my own collection of ties. So, you know, things that you have on hand already that you can just, it's already there. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I think basics are important. And basics. I saw that a lot when I was working with Rachel. Um, we had the styling closet and I spent many days reorganizing and reorganizing the styling closet because when you are doing projects, regardless of what styling job it is, it can be, it can become a whirlwind. So like organization I think is key too, because you have to make sure that like, you know, where everything is, it's like neat and orderly. So like the stuff itself can last longer if it's just sort of thrown around or like jammed into things, you have to make sure it's clean. Um, but they had a whole section of basics. So like basic tanks, uh, basic jeans, leggings, et cetera, like all basics. So you can add that if you have other pieces you have to do. And sometimes styling, I mean, if you could be on a job that they don't really need a full outfit, they just need like the top. Yep. Yeah, I've definitely, uh, ooh, shout out to productions and, you know, some TV shows where they literally have me there. Yeah pay my full rate just to make sure that no one is wearing green for the green screen. And literally like, <laughs> you know, of course not all jobs are like that, but you will occasionally get those amazing jobs as a stylist where you literally just have to sit there and like say, okay, you're good. You're good. Like you don't have to even. Yeah, I, I ended up on a few of those in my assisting days. Um, Cause we were both pretty early and we ended up like in our careers where, um, it was like a beauty shoot mm. and they hired, you know, stylist, et cetera. So we went and pulled all the stuff and they're like, oh no, we're only going to see this much of her. Like, we just need to make sure that like her shoulder, like a top that has her shoulders covered or something. We're right. like, oh, right. we just sat there. I remember I was like, sitting there like playing, uh, what was the game at the time that everyone was playing? What was the the fruit game? Oh, I don't remember. Yes. So I, I was like playing was it Candy Crush. I was playing Candy Crush. Candy Crush. I remember sitting, I was playing Candy Crush for like six hours they were filming. Like all we had to do is make sure that like the shirt wasn't wrinkled. <laughs> okay. Yes. So you will encounter those easy jobs where you're literally paid to just look at approve people's looks. So. <laughs> but yeah, so it's a balance though because, you know, we have those extra hard days where we're out all day in 90 degree weather. And then you have those other days where it's just like you're there as a, as a style expert. So it balances yeah. out. And people also have to realize like styling is not always one size fits all mm -hmm. because there are so many different forms of wardrobe styling. It's not all celebrity red carpets yeah. and it's not all editorial shoots. Those are everyone's favorite, 
I've been fortunate and so have you that we have gotten a lot of those experiences, but there are so many different ways to do styling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's so many different projects. So like keeping your options open, I think is important. Yeah, that's important because like you said, everybody wants to do the glamorous things, but there's also e-commerce, you know, maybe you have a family that you have to support and you can't really be doing fittings at midnight like we do. <laughs> um, e-commerce, you're essentially a, a nine to five stylist and you get a check every two weeks, you're styling. Um, it's not as glamorous, but you're still a stylist and you still get a check. So um, the whole, we have to think of what is this word glamorous yeah. that we're using? Because yeah. I think that a lot of people can become very discouraged when they start doing work in fashion because they have this idea that we are sold from, from Devil Wears products. Actually, even Devil Wears Prada shows us some reality. Yeah. Um, the unglamorous parts are those long days that you are sweating because and your arms are sore from carrying this stuff and you are just like, you're, you're doing all this work. Like sometimes you might have someone call you up the day before a project. Or the um, day of a project. I had that situation. A client, she literally at like 11 a.m. noonish, she tells me she had an event at like 5 p.m. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> yeah, it happens. So it's like that part, those parts are not always so glamorous, but it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And that's where uh, at times I have felt found myself within my career being defeated and being like, why am I doing this? What is the point? What, like, this is impossible or whichever. I have to reframe my perspective and be like, but the young me, the little girl that wanted this career would find every little aspect that I'm doing amazing. Mm -hmm. You have to reframe that because yeah. yeah, it may suck that you're doing these long hours of schlepping back and forth, but think about it. What are you doing? You are driving through you know, beautiful Los Angeles that everyone wants to live in with gar cool, amazing garments the in your back. Yes. The, the point, the, what, like the, your, the, what you're actually, like what you're doing it all for is really cool. So even though it may not seem glamorous, like, oh, you are bored sitting on set, but you're sitting on set. That's still cool. That reminds me of this quote that said, remember when you prayed for the things that you have now, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day stresses of being in the fashion industry. But then you have to remember, I'm doing my dream job. Like, I can't complain about jewelry and clothes and, you know, like, in the grand scheme of things. So we always have to kind of rem remind ourselves that to recenter and just feel fortunate and grateful that we get to do what we love because so many people don't. They don't even get the opportunity. So. It's also kind of a balance because you have to, you know, you want to find ways to remind yourself and be grateful as a way to re-motivate yourself. Yeah. But I think we have to be careful to not allow other people to use that against you because you will find that of millions of girls want this position. Millions of girls want to do this. You want to do this so bad. So like you can't give up your worth and your value because of you know, how desperate you wanted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is going to be days you're going to, and years even of a career that you're going to do the unfun parts and like the schleppy parts and the tiring parts. Um, so when I say remind yourself of, you know, to appreciate it, that is solely to remind you to stay motivated and not so much to allow other people to use that to intimidate you, to keep you where you are. I love that. You preaching, Alessa. I love it. And you have to remind yourself of all of that. So I want to end with one thing that you wish, well, actually you mentioned, we were talking about money and you told me about a situation that really reminds me of the things that no one teaches you as a stylist starting out. Oh God, Can yeah. you talk about what this situation was and your advice to stylists who might find themselves in a similar situation you know which one i'm talking about number one number one thing to do when if you find yourself with a client um it's exciting and it's scary especially starting out on your own uh and you're doing all this other research of different things to find where to pull the clothes etc do not do not overlook what 
may need to be paid for and how that's going to be paid because it's very easy to overlook and just think like, oh, okay, it's, you know, uh, rental fees, whichever that adds up. And, um, a lot, almost all showrooms ask you, they require you to put a credit card down for damages, et cetera. Totally fine. If you are someone that's a big experienced, uh, well-known stylist with, you know, the capability to do that and like financing, et cetera, that's great. But when you're starting out on your own and a newbie, putting down your credit card is something scary because you don't know what it, you might need it for. And many times clients, regardless of what kind of client it is, whether it's just the, the photo team that you're doing a project with or the person you're styling, which whatever the client is, they don't always realize all of those things either, what needs to be paid for. So doing your research to know anywhere that there will be a financial aspect to it and having a plan going into it. Like you shouldn't be so willy nilly and comfortable to throw down your credit card when you're going to a place because it, it's, you get anxious when you go somewhere and they are, it's some, a new showroom and you're excited that they're giving you the chance and letting you pull and you're, it's all coming together. And that's like, but we need a credit card. Okay, sure, I'll put mine down that could come back and bite you. So like knowing that there's clear communication, clear expectations, you have to kind of know yourself what you are going to need and make sure that you're communicating that to also your clients as well. Because you can, as I have found myself in a situation where, um, you know, I was pulling something from studio services uh, and I was just so, I was, it was, I was just excited to get it. I didn't really pay attention to the fine print of, you have to then buy this piece after, et cetera. Because studio services works a lot like that of usually have to pay for some percentage of what you're pulling um, so people can make money off it as well. And usually the client should be paying for that unless you you are saying, I'm going to buy it for myself to get in the back. Um, so like, you know, if you use something, you can find, like I found myself at a crossroads of, and this is where working at Rachel Zoe came to mind because I, I told myself, what would Rachel do? Because mm. you can find yourself either screwing up your relationship with the client or screwing up your relationship with the brand designer, showroom, et cetera. And relationships as a freelancer in this particular job and industry is everything. So I took the L and instead of causing problems because the client didn't want to pay for what we used, and was very, very anti that. Um, we didn't have any sort of, we had like a verbal agreement, but it's easy to go back on that. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't want to screw up this relationship with this brand that was a big brand. So I just paid for it and I bought it um, and I learned from that. So if anyone can learn from that, make sure that you know going into it, do your research, communicate. And if you can, and if you feel like you have to, create a contract. Because I go off good faith mm -hmm. and trust with people and I sometimes am too trusting, um, which is, a, it's not a bad thing, but knowing to look out for yourself in that area will do you a world of change, like difference. And I know, so you kind of went over, you know, the situation, but I want you guys to know, this was not like a hundred dollars thing. This was like a thousand dollars. Two thousand dollars. That was like two thousand dollars too, at like right. four. <laughs> because her client they had a verbal agreement. So contracts, contracts, and this goes back to us as creatives, not, you know, we're so happy to get these jobs and be around the clothes and everything. You have to remember at the end of the day, it's a business and your client, even though you might be friendly now when you're getting together, they can easily turn back and say, Oh, I, I'm not paying for that. So that's where a contract comes into place. Money is a very, very tough topic. I've always had a hard time with it. I believe a lot of other people do. Mm -hmm. um, when you are trying to do a job, that's one that, again, everyone wants to do. And a lot of people don't understand the full parameters of all of the responsibilities that it entails. They'll always have the most, you know, they don't fully respect or value the, you know, they don't know what the worth is of like you're providing a service. Yeah. That's the other thing I think is branding yourself. So I'm like sort of redoing a lot of my personal branding and I do it where it's like, these are services I can provide. 
So I, ha I have like my own, like I call uh, Lexi Nicole Creative as a piece of my brand. Um, it's not like a fully legit thing. I haven't like, you know, registered the name or whichever, but it sounds a little bit more official where it's like, I've done all these different jobs and things kind of freelance as just me, but it's time you can sort of like narrow it down of like, you know, if you're doing Britney styling, whichever, that these are the services I provide. You are providing a service. Um, so I think when you start looking at it less as, you kind of have to look, you, you yourself has to stop looking at it as a hobby and like not yeah. having confidence in yourself and know that you're providing a service yeah. and you know your value and your worth and you sell it that way. Because there's a lot of times that you wouldn't just not pay people certain things, exactly. you know? And people, again, tend to forget that. Like, think about your hairstylist, your nail person. I mean, they're all providing a service. Same with styling. At the end of the day, it is a service. So I think the moral of the story here is just remember that as a stylist, you are running a business and treat it as such from the very beginning. And you will, let's also, I, I don't want to mislead people. You will have to do a lot of free work in the beginning. Oh, yeah. In the beginning. And that's why assisting is great um, because I'm someone that, you know, as many millennials deal with imposter syndrome. So there's a lot of times I think that's why I, when I go into styling, I get nervous of, is my service really super professional enough? I don't, because you doubt yourself. Um, but not everyone can do what we do. That's real. That's they real. need it. It's something that they don't have to worry about. So knowing that, you know, Go do some of the free work. Everyone has to start off interning, assisting if you can. Um, do some of those things to sort of build a portfolio. But if you have, if you've done some experience or you feel confident in your skill set, make sure that you are knowing to sell that service. But that's why what you know what you're doing is so 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 valuable. Like it's app. Like I can't stress that enough because no one teaches you that. Thank you. And that's definitely my goal because no one taught me or my peers any of this stuff. I'm like, you know, why should everyone else get to struggle? If I learn this, then I'm going to pass it on to the next person. So yeah, it's super important to you know, just pay it forward. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like you look at two different pillars of your professional experience. And I don't think this is far off from other industries. You have your almost like apprenticeship type things. You have your education piece where you're learning, you're studying it, whether that is taking master classes, studying it in, the, in school, if you go to fashion school, whichever, doing your sort of classes, anything like that, do your learning aspect, internships, um, assisting, some free jobs if you can, whichever. But then you have to trans, you have to evolve. And it goes from, I did that learning. I did the being a student. Now I am a professional mm -hmm. um, and just having that confidence. And I, I, I feel like we have a new generation of stylists coming in who are, who are realizing that, which is great. Um, my hope for this particular sub-industry of the industry, I guess, is that we have a more of a community so we can work together. I think having, if we could have a union or something, it'd be great, but like having a way for us all to like not be so separated it can feel very isolating being a stylist sometimes in LA. And like the only times you see each other is if you go to showrooms, et cetera. And like with COVID, we're all doing virtual. I think if there's a way for us all, like things like you're doing to have a community and bring people together, I think that would be so helpful um, for people to learn these sort of lessons. Yeah. And having more mentors out there of, let me come take you under my wing. You learn everything with styling. and. You know, once you get to a point that you've been the intern or the assistant, now I can release you into the world to be a real stylist. Yeah. And like the real, but stylists have to also remember to be giving back to them and not, you know, use them as just interns or assistants and realize everyone wants to grow in their career. So that's kind of like my last sort of uh, piece, I guess, to add to this. Yes. And that's so important that you brought up having a community and I do believe you know us the new generation of stylists are way more supportive of each other I feel like it's just a millennial thing to bond over trauma <laughs> we're like oh my god you intern for that person too like you know talk about our experiences and then help each other and say okay this is how you know you should do this or this is where you should go instead so that community building is so important and we can truly help each other because think about the future 
-hmm. we are all coming up together. And like, I'm starting to see a lot of these people I know, you know, just as we're growing up, it's only been a few years I've been out in LA, but seeing people starting to really come into their own and grow in this industry, we are the future of this industry. And we can have and do have the, um, the capability to change the culture. And that fact of being so, uh, you know, supportive of each other, think about what we can do. And seeing like all of us as we're growing and be able to work together and like as we all come up in different areas, being able to like uh, share it with everyone so we all can be successful, I think it'd be amazing. I think it'd be great. It's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Alexa. You dropped so thank many you for having me here. Of course. I always love hearing your stories and your perspective. Um, I just feel like you have such a well-rounded perspective of the industry and styling. Um, so tell our listeners where they can find you, follow you, and keep up with you. So my Instagram is Alexa, my first name, uh, which I think everyone knows how to spell because everyone has one in their home, um, <laughs> yeah. dot Molinero, uh, and it is like the liquor brand Molinari, but with an O at the end. <laughs> That's my Instagram, and you can follow all of my ventures through there. So as I am starting a new fashion and culture blog as well as a jewelry brand and we'll also be starting a position with a showroom so i'll be posting a lot about my experiences there and i mean there's a lot of other things i'm probably going to start getting into so my main instagram is going to be where you can find everything molinara and i'm going to put that in the description box so you guys can just thank you yeah of course well thank you again and i appreciate your time